So we've been talking about personal property in property, and specifically we've mentioned the ways that you can transfer property. Uh, you can either do it by finding it, capturing it, and now we're going to talk about gifts, gifting property that one owns to another person. And there are two types of property gifts that can be done. You can have an inter vivos or you can have a causa mortis. Inter vivos is simply just when you give an ordinary gift from one living person to another living person. Causa mortis is when a person gives a gift in contemplation of death. So let's talk about each of these individually. Inter vivos, from one per living person to another living person, there are three elements of the gift for a valid gift to actually take place. First, there needs to be donative intent, delivery, and acceptance. And as an important thing to know, these gifts are almost never revocable. Notice that the word donative intent was mentioned in there. That means that a gift is essentially a donation. And that means that the person giving the gift is the donor, and the person receiving the gift is the donee. Now we have this case here, Grun versus Grun. What happened in this case is that person, uh, a father, owned a painting, uh, gifted it to his son for his 21st birthday, uh, threw some letters, and said, I want you to have this painting, but I'm going to keep it here until I die. And so, in, in other words, he essentially set up a life estate in the painting where the father would keep it for life, and then the possession would pass into the son's at the time of his death, but the son at that time owned title. And so really, we need to work through the elements here of did a proper gift take place? Well, if we look at the donative, donative intent, to establish donative intent, there needs to be, it needs to be immediate and present. So it's really a difference of I give you a painting when I die, or I give you the painting, but I want to keep it until I die. When does ownership actually transfer? So it's this matter of when. In the first sentence, well, I give you the painting when I die. Ownership doesn't transfer until death. And in that case, it needs to be transferred and put into a will. In this uh, instance, it was not put in a will. So that's really why it was a conflict of did it need to be in a will? Or did the son obtain ownership at the time of his 21st birthday? So the second statement is pretty much the opposite, saying, I give you the painting now, but I want to keep it until I die. And that is setting up a life estate where you release your rights except for the right to possession. So that's donative intent. In this case, there was donative intent. It was shown by the letters uh, that the son had received from his father to say, hey, you have ownership now. I'm just going to hold on to it until I die. And then the delivery of a gift there are three ways that you can deliver it. And it can be either manual, constructive, or symbolic. A manual delivery is straightforward. You hand over the painting. A constructive delivery is when you hand something over that gives you access to another thing. Uh, so this is, for example, a key that unlocks a chest. And you get the chest and the contents of the chest. An important part of the constructive delivery is that it needs to be... Uh, manual delivery needs to be impractical. So if the person's standing in the same room uh, and gives the person a key, well, then that's not delivery because the person can actually just give them the chest. But if the person says, okay, here's the key, the chest is five miles away, uh, go 
unlock the chest and you can have everything in there that's less practical. Same thing if it's overseas, even less practical. And that's how constructed delivery works. Finally, we have symbolic delivery. And this is when manual and constructive are obviously impractical, but you need to have some form of delivery. You're not just going to take the painting off the wall, hand it to them, and then put it back on the wall in the life estate. So the letters here are symbolic of the actual delivery, and so delivery did happen through the symbolic method. Finally, acceptance is the third element, and it's presumed that acceptance has happened if the item in question has some value. It's the easiest element to prove, ultimately, if the person picks it up, or even if they haven't picked it up yet, uh, acceptance is going to be considered there and present. So that's Intervivos. Causa Mortis uh, is a bit different in the sense of you need all three elements. Uh, you need donative intent, uh, delivery, and acceptance. But then you also need to have this contemplation of death. And this was the case in Brian versus International Trust Co., uh, the lady in this instance was going into surgery and uh, in contemplation of her surgery that it might kill her. She ended up uh, trying to establish these gifts and did so uh, and then she didn't die from the surgery and she healed and then she died from the actual uh, cause of uh, why she needed the surgery. Anyways, the whole point of this is to say there are some significant barriers into a Cosmortis gift. Uh, they're much harder to prove, and they're much more revocable. It could just be a lot easier to put these kind of gifts in a will so that you don't need to worry about it. Some of these barriers include uh, if the a donor changes their mind before the death, it's revocable. If the donor does not end up actually dying, it's obviously revocable. And then if the donor passes from another ailment, that is also revocable. Big takeaway from this case is that Cosmortis requires all the elements and contemplation of death, and the person must actually die from that death that they contemplated. There is one other element of uh, gifts that I want to talk about. It's kind of like a subcategory. It's just engagement rings. Uh, so ultimately, when you gift an engagement ring, uh, who maintains ownership, especially if the engagement is going to break off? Well, an engagement ring is, you can say, a conditional gift, meaning ownership does not pass until the condition has been met and obviously the condition is marriage so once the marriage is complete then the gift is transferred and ownership takes possession but if the marriage does not take place well then ownership retains with the giver of the gift the donor a different consideration that people actually do with this though is uh, when a breakup happens in between the engagement and the marriage Sometimes courts will determine which party is at fault for the breakup, and that party that is at fault does not get to maintain possession of the ring. So if the dude is at fault, the girl keeps the ring. If the girl is at fault, the dude keeps the ring. Some complications there. It's the minority approach. Ultimately, the majority approach is it's a conditional gift, and 
uh, the giver retains ownership until the marriage takes place. So that's gifts, and that's finishing up personal property. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice, and with that, the fourth thing is if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.